First Peter, I want to read the, the two verses that we're going to be in this morning. Just a pretty quick teaching, hopefully. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. This is First Peter chapter 1. To God's elect, exiles who are scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. I don't know if you're like me, but there's, there's something about getting a letter in the mail that is just special. Kids are having fun back there. Um, I, uh, you know, we, we kind of live in a culture where we get personal emails all the time. You, you get texts, you get comments on your Instagram pictures and, and all these things, but there, there's just something different about a letter, about someone sitting down with a pen and, and, and thinking of you and writing it down. So I remember growing up, you know, I would go to basketball camp or I literally went to preacher's camp one year to show you how nerdy I am, like, um, to uh, become a better preacher. And some of you are like, well, it didn't really work. You're right. So, but I remember all that to say, uh, my mom would always write me these cards when I would go and she'd like sneak them in my bag somehow. And so I'd be, you know, getting up for whatever. And, and I'd see these cards from her and, you know, she'd write something sweet. And I think about the summer that Courtney and I were dating and she went to London and for every day that she was going to be gone, she wrote me a card. And, and there's something just about a handwritten note, right? That just has this way of speaking to us in a little bit different way that gets our attention a little bit differently. And it's especially the case if, for those of you who, man, you, you follow Jesus. I don't know if you've ever had one of these moments where, where someone's like a spiritual hero to you, someone that you look up to, and they took the time to, to sit down and write you a letter. That, that someone was thinking about you and, and they cared enough about you to, to, to write something, to encourage you on, to spur you on, to, to say, man, I see something in you and I wanna just keep putting fire on, on that flame. And, and that's the kind of sentiment that I want us to, to approach First Peter with this morning. I want you to imagine what it would be like for, for you. Like, I don't know who your spiritual hero is. Like, I don't know who it is, the person that, that you look up to who's been just following Christ for a lifetime through the, the good seasons and the bad and has just walked with integrity as they follow Jesus. I don't know who that person is, but could you imagine getting home today and having a letter in the mail from your spiritual hero? And so Peter, this is the, the sentiment of, of that letter. Peter is one of the apostles of Jesus. He was one of the 12 men that was selected to kind of be in close proximity to Jesus for the three years that he lived and, and worked in his ministry. And so Peter, um, the scriptures tell us a lot about him. In fact, we know more about Peter than any of the other apostles. And so you can go through and read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and just read all about his life and what you see about Peter is that he had some just outstanding moments of, of just faith. And there were times where, where he was so courageous and, and where he just got it. And, and you just look at Peter and you're like, man, I wanna be just like Peter. And then you turn the page in the Bible and Peter has just this complete relapse where he's not marked by courage. He's marked by being a coward where he has these moments where he isn't marked by faith, where it's like he loses all of his faith. It's like he has no faith. And what you see in Peter is that he's not just this super Christian. He's just a human being, just like you and I. 
that he had his good days and he had his bad, that he had moments where his faith was just growing and surging. And then he had moments where he didn't even know if he believed, he didn't know what he believed. And, and the thing that I love about Peter is, is that through the ups and the downs, through the, the good and the bad, he kept following Jesus. And so for 30, 35 years after Jesus died, so you think about this, Peter walked with Jesus. He lived with him in the flesh. He got to hug him. He got to, to, to have his feet washed by Jesus. Like he saw Jesus. He knew that Jesus was, was alive, that he was the king. And after Jesus ascended into heaven, this Jesus kept serving him, or this Peter kept serving this Jesus for 35 years, long after he ascended into heaven. It says that Peter became a pillar in the church, this is Galatians chapter two. It means that kind of worldwide that, that he was like, he was one of the guys that he had walked with Christ. That his words came with authority because his life was marked with integrity in his walk with Jesus. And we don't know what it was that was going on in Peter's heart. Or one day he decides to sit down and write a letter to, to these different churches in the, the areas that, that he's talking about. This is kind of modern day Turkey. And we don't think that Peter planted these churches. We don't even know if Peter knew these people specifically. But what we do know is that, that, that Peter had heard about what was going on in these churches. He, he heard about what was going on in the lives of his brothers and sisters. And, and he decided to sit down and to do what he could to encourage them in their faith. So he's living in Rome at the time, unable to, to go and visit these churches, but he hears about the predicament. And he's like, I gotta, I gotta do something. And so he sits down and he writes this letter and I go, could you even begin to imagine the joy that they felt, the strength and the hope and the perseverance that, that this would have given to a church to know that, that Peter, this, this, this pillar in the church, cared about them. And he cared enough about them in the midst of his busyness of his life and his ministry to, to notice and to recognize them. But more than that, could you imagine what it would have been like to have been sitting in their churches and to be discouraged because of the persecution, to be discouraged because of the, 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 the tossy-turviness of their faith and to know that not just Peter, but that God saw them? If you've ever been in a tough season, and I'm sure you have because you're a human being, if you've ever been in a tough season and, and you realize that, that God sees you, that God cares about you? If you've been in a tough season and you've heard God speak to you through the scriptures or through a person or through the Holy Spirit, if you've ever encountered that in a hard season, it, it doesn't mean that all the hard stuff goes away. But the reality is that in the midst of the hard stuff, when you realize that God most high sees you and that he cares about you and that his heart is for you, there's something about that, that God just puts gas in the tank to keep us moving, to keep us pressing onward closer into his heart and to his fullness. And so this is a letter that Peter writes to his sisters and brothers facing spiritual and physical oppression. He starts off like this, Peter, an apostle, of Jesus Christ. This is the way that letters were written in the first century. You would write your name at the top and then you would write who you were writing to. 
And I love that, that Peter, he could have just written his name at the top or he could have just written Peter the Apostle. And I might be reading too much into this, but I love that he writes Peter the Apostle of Jesus Christ. There's a lot of richness in that. Peter, aware that the people are gonna be receiving this letters, might think he's something special might think that he's something extraordinary because of the life that he's lived, because of the things that he's done. And I love that just from the very get-go of his letter, he wants everyone to know who the real master is. That this is not about Peter. This is about Peter, who's the apostle of the real master, who sits on the real throne. And there's real power in the fact that he describes himself in relation to Jesus. That when people thought of him, he wanted people to think of Jesus. You know, I grew up in a small town in Western Kentucky and my granddad, he was the mayor of our hometown. And you know, my, my granddad, everywhere he would go, he just knew everyone. He just loved people and he loved being around people. So we'd walk in the little mom and pop restaurants and, and we'd sit down with somebody and, you know, and, 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 and they would know his name and, and no one knew my name, right? But they knew me as, as his grandson and that was good enough for me. Like just to, to be associated with him, just to be known in, in relationship to him. It's like, that's what I wanted. And for us to get to this place where, where when we think about who we are and when, we, when, when other people think about us, they think about us in relation to Jesus. And I go, Clint, can you imagine like you get to the place where, where you're working at the hospital and, and your patient, patients and the other nurses and the doctors, they don't know you as Clint, the nice guy, the servant guy, the friendly guy. They go, man, Clint, he follows Jesus. It's like, do you want anything else for your life? Right? Or Ashley Reeves. I, don't, I was thinking about Ashley this morning and I don't, I don't know where she is, but she's back here. And, and I was thinking, it's like, you know, Ashley for, um, for people around you to go, man, your life looks like the, the Jesus that we read about. And I go, don't we want to, for those of us who are Christians, that for us to become so invisible that when people think about us, they don't think about us as the nice person. Or the kind, they think about us as a person who is completely in relation to Jesus. This is Paul says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. He says, to God's elect. To God's elect. A couple things here. This is the language that was used of the nation of Israel. The Jewish people, if you go back and read Genesis chapter 12, God shows up to this man named Abraham and he says, I'm gonna bless you. I'm gonna bless your children. I'm gonna bless your wife. I'm gonna bless you for generations because what I wanna do through you is bless the entire world. I'm gonna make a nation out of you. It's gonna be the nation of Israel, the Jewish people. And the reason I'm gonna bless them is because I'm gonna bring the Messiah, the savior of the entire world, the thing that Zach talked about last week, through this people. And I'm gonna bless the entire world through you. And you imagine if, if you were the other nations and you, and you heard that and, and it's like, man, we weren't chosen. The fact that Israel was chosen meant that, that everyone else wasn't chosen to be the vessel through which God flowed. And it's so significant what, what, what Peter is saying here. He says, you are God's elect. He says this blessing, this intention that, that was intended for Israel is, is now for you. It's not this exclusive claim to, to the Jewish people. It's made available to you because of Jesus. To God's elect, 
this, this language of being elected. Man, to be elected a state representative or a state senator or the governor. And I can only imagine, maybe you ran for an office in high school or middle school and you won. And, and, the, and the joy and the satisfaction that comes from being elected, from knowing that, that people believe in you, that people want you, that people trust in you. And Peter's wanting these people to understand in the midst of their physical and their spiritual oppression, you have been elected by God. God wants you. God has chosen you. To God's elect exiles. I promise we're not gonna go through and and dig into every single word. You're like, thank goodness. This word exiles, it's, it's not really exiled in the sense of maybe that we would think about it, like being forced out of a country or being forced out by a people group. A better word here is, is sojourner. Maybe a word that we don't talk about very often. Someone who stays somewhere temporarily. And Peter is speaking to these people who are facing all these hard circumstances. And he says, you've been chosen by God and you're a sojourner. You need to remember that this world is not your home. Yes, God has given us this life to live and he wants us to, to live fully into the kingdom of God right now. But the reality is that the fullness of the kingdom hasn't come yet. And yet one day we will be at home. One day we won't be sojourners. One day we'll be with Jesus in the fullness of his kingdom where there'll be no tears, there'll be no pain, there'll be no sadness that there will be King Jesus with his people who love him dearly and who he loves so unbelievably dearly. And he looks at us and he says, don't forget, this world is not your home. Our circumstances, as painful and as hard as they are, they are temporary. You've been chosen by God. You're a sojourner. Your time here is temporary. It keeps going. Exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. I love this. I love what he does from the beginning of his letter. He reminds them they've been chosen by God the Father. He reminds them that that the Father God, he knows them. And God knows you. God knows you, Delaney. He knows you. And he hasn't forgotten about you, Caitlin. Reading this passage, this passage came to mind this morning as I was prepping to to teach from Isaiah chapter 49, verse 15. This is what God says. He says, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child that she has born? And he goes on to say, though she may forget, I will not forget you. And it's this statement that that God is making that, that God will not forget you, Chris. And God will not forget you, Kelly. And Gerald, God will not forget you. And Aaron, God will not forget you. And Justin, God will not forget you that he knows you, Laura. He will not forget you, Nick. And he reminds us people that that this is not just some game that we're playing. It's not this thing that we've just talked ourselves into, this whole Jesus thing. He says, no, God the Father, he knew beforehand. And he knows right now, he knows you and he sees you. 
It says through the sanctifying work of the Spirit. Through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. It's a really powerful statement. You see, whenever anyone who doesn't believe and follow Jesus, whenever anyone turns from that way of living and they set their heart on Jesus and they decide that they want to live with Jesus and for Jesus and they accept the real Jesus who actually is alive and well, whenever anyone decides, man, Christ is real, and he is the king and he's the only God and he's the only way. Whenever anyone turns, whenever anyone understands that, that person is given help and that help comes in the form of the Holy Spirit. And so he says this, that the, the Holy Spirit sanctifies us in order that we can be obedient to Jesus Christ. And I just kept thinking the reason that we are given the Holy Spirit is so that we can become obedient to Jesus Right, you think about this in, in your job and in, in your work, like you, you, you get hired and your boss gets you what you need so that you can do the thing that they've asked you to do. Right, it'd be the worst boss in the world. You show up and they tell you to do something and they don't give you what you need to do it. Right, no, a good boss says, hey, this is what we're doing and, and, and here's what you're commissioned to do and, and these are the things that you need to get them done. Now run free. And a lot of times, maybe it, it feels like in this Christian life that, that God expects us to be obedient. And we're like, yeah, but how? I keep trying, I keep trying and I keep falling and I keep stumbling. And he says, the work of the Holy Spirit is to sanctify us. The Holy Spirit is given to us so that we can be obedient to Jesus. This is what Paul says in Philippians chapter two, verse 13 says, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Peter looks at us. He says, through the sanctifying work of the spirit, we are obedient to Jesus and we are sprinkled with his blood. That sounds weird. I don't want to be sprinkled with blood. In the Old Testament, this happened quite often. There are several different circumstances where, where literally people, like an animal, would, would be killed and the blood would be splattered on the people. I'm like, I don't want that on my clothes, right? Like, and obviously, it's a metaphor. And what Peter's wanting us to understand as we journey in this book this morning is that because of Jesus, we are forgiven of all of our sins. Because of Jesus, we are included in the family of God. We are forever united with Jesus. The blood has been shed. We have been covered. And it's not because of what we can do for God. It's because of what God has done for us that through the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and us simply choosing to be united with him. And Peter looks at these groups of Christians. Maybe he doesn't even know them. Maybe he's never even met them. And he sits down and because the Holy Spirit was leading him to write this, he says, you're chosen. You're a sojourner. God knows you. If you've given your life to Jesus, the Spirit is at work in you. And in all this, remember 
that the blood of Jesus has covered you, that you're forgiven of all your sins, that on the cross, that the price was paid, you are free. So John chapter eight says, who the son has set free, that person will be free indeed. And you've been set free. And God sees you as his child. This morning, one of my favorite things that we do as a church fam is we take communion. We eat a piece of bread and we drink a cup of juice and it's this powerful moment that, that Jesus told us to do this. He says, hey, when, when you gather, take the bread, drink the cup, remember me. And this morning, we're gonna take communion and, and you can take it by yourself. You can take it in groups. I would encourage you to take it with a few other people if you co feel comfortable doing that just because you, you get to experience the more of the fullness of the body that we're not just a bunch of isolated individuals and this morning you might just need some alone time with Jesus and that's great, but I really wanna encourage you to take communion with others. And, and, and so as you're taking communion, I wanna just give us a little context for what this can look like. If you come here this morning and you're just weary and you're beat up from life and you want some prayer, either come to the respond banner, Nana, Andrew, my wife Courtney and I will be back there. Jack will probably be back there. If you're just worn out from life, if your heart is, is just weary, if, if, if your heart feels hard, if you're sad, come in the back and just let us pray for you. It doesn't mean that, that God is gonna take away all the circumstances, but there's something about God just seeing you and drawing near to you that just has this way of refreshing you. And if you will come to him, it says if you'll draw near to God, he will draw near to you. And so this morning, if you're weary and burdened, I invite you to, to, to either come to the back and let us pray for you or in your groups that you're taking communion with, just let people in on what's really going on in your life. You're not doing anyone a favor. If you come here and, and you're tired and you're worn out and the enemy's just been having his way, you're not doing anyone a favor. If you're like, man, I'm good. If you're not good, let people in on what's going on in your life. Let the body of Christ be the body of Christ this morning. If you come here this morning and you've had a fresh encounter with the love of God, if you've been reminded that you have been chosen, I wanna invite you in communion to testify, to share what God is doing in your life. The reality is that for, for when you're weak and you're tired so often, what you need is, is to be reminded that God is working, that God is doing something, that God is alive, that God is well. And so don't feel bad if the person beside you shares that they're weak, man. Share that where you're strong because it's all God. And in communion, man, let's ask that, that Jesus would help us this week to share and to show his love. No matter how weak, no matter how strong we are to the people around us that don't know him. And if you come here this morning, you're not a follower of Jesus. We are so glad that you're here today. If you have any questions about anything that I've said, or if you wanna just meet sometime this week and talk or pray, Nana and Andrew and I would love to, to talk and help you out however we can. Let's pray and we'll take communion. God, thank you so much for this morning. I just, I pray that, uh, yeah, things that were from you this morning will sit and just bear fruit in our lives. And that anything that I said or that the enemy twisted or um, God that came out wrong, I pray that you would allow those things to be forgotten. If there's anything that came out of my heart that, that shouldn't have been said, I pray that you would just forgive me. 
But Lord, I pray that you tell us that every time the word is proclaimed, um, that things happen. And, and I pray that what happens right now is that you would just seal us, that you would protect us from all evil. And that you would allow your spirit to just come and move and have your way in us. That for those who are weak and who don't believe in Jesus, God, weak in their faith, that you would help them to believe right now. That, that for those who just need a pick-me-up, who need some gas in the tank, Jesus, that you would minister in such a way that only you receive the glory. And I pray that you would work through us this morning. And Jesus, I just invite you, please don't just let this be a, a Sunday morning where we just sing some songs and hear some scriptures. God, let us have a real encounter with you. Yeah, we love you. We are so grateful for the cross that you died on for the empty tomb that you kicked open, Jesus. And we love you. It's in your name we pray, amen.